Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technology with support from USDA Rural Business Cooperative. Hi, this is Rich Myers with NCAT. In this episode, Rock Woods, director of the National Center for Appropriate Technology's Gulf States office in Jackson, Mississippi, and a specialist with NCAT's ATRA, the National Sustainable Agriculture Information Service, talks with Dr. William Evans concerning good agricultural practices or GAP standards. Dr. Evans is the director of horticulture with Upin Farms LLC, a food hub located in Jackson. Upin Farms coordinates production schedules with farmers based upon the demand by regional buyers, such as grocery stores, restaurants, schools, and commercial distributors. Upin Farms also provides support and training necessary to deliver a high-quality product on time and at a sustainable price. Additionally, the hub aggregates produce directly from farmers in Mississippi to its warehouse in Jackson. The warehouse is designed to wash, grade, pack, cool, and store fresh produce, activities that can be prohibitively expensive for many individual farms. Rock and Dr. Evans talk about the history of GAP, its purpose, and its relationship to other agricultural standards such as the Food Safety Management Act, or FISMA, and the National Organic Program. Rock also has a conversation with Calvin Head, Director of Milestone Cooperative in Chula, Mississippi. Mr. Head talks about the factors that led the agricultural cooperative to adopt GAP standards. Let's listen. All right, my name is Rockiel Woods. Uh, I'm the Gulf State Regional Director for the National Center for Appropriate Technology, NCAT. And here today with me is Dr. Bill Evans from Up and Farms, who's the Director of Horticulture, and Calvin Head, who is the uh, Director of Milestone Cooperative. And today we're going to talk about GAP certification. And GAP certification is some of the things that a lot of vegetable producers are trying to get involved with. So I have Dr. Evans here and just have a few questions that I want to ask and we're going to engage in a little dialogue about GAP certification. So Dr. Evans, uh, tell me, what is GAP? So GAP, Brock, is Good Agricultural Practices. And USDA started it years ago. Um, it's based on, on another system. And basically, it's a way of providing food safety in a vegetable or fruit production program as well as other agriculture, but fruit and vegetables mainly is what we're talking about here. Okay. So so how did it come about? Well, as I started talking about, USDA started it back years ago now, and they started it based on global standards for producing stuff. So, Dr. Evans, tell us how, how did GAP uh, come about? So USDA started the GAP program years ago in this country, and it's based on some, it's based on manufacturing standards, something called GMPs, good ag- good manufacturing practices, and GAP is good agricultural practices, and again, it's a food safety system designed to allow you to have uh, have more control over and to reduce the risk of foodborne illness at the farm level. So, what is the difference between good manufacturing practices and GAP practices? Yeah. Well, the good manufacturing practices apply to, as it implies, to manufacturing situations, to a, an auto parts plant, a, um, a, a you know a sewing factory, a, uh, a something like that, a lawnmower factory, a 
something like that. Whereas good agricultural practices take those same ideas of what's called industrial hygiene and good worker practices and move them down to the farm level so that, again, we reduce the amount of, uh, of foodborne illness uh, that might be exposed in the system at the farm level. Okay, so when we talk about that, is there a difference um, when we talk about hazard analysis and critical control points? You know, that's some of the um, another um, practice that you have it have to have in place. Also, I mean, what's the difference between that we got? Yeah, hazard analysis and critical control points again is comes from industry and manufacturing rather than agriculture, but it can apply to agriculture the same because basically what that is saying is. You evaluate your totality of your system. And so let's imagine a farming system. Let's imagine that you are planting seeds today. So you have, you have the seeds, you have the planter, you have the people doing it, you have the field, you have birds flying around, all of that stuff. All of that stuff. You've got natural systems and man-made systems combining in an agricultural system. And we can analyze where the risks are in that system where those critical control points are in that system. And we can say we've got, um, you know, sourcing the seed might be a critical control point. If we don't know where our seed comes from, that could introduce uh, plant or animal or uh, human pathogens to it, et cetera, et cetera. We walk all the way through that. In GAP, GAP kind of takes some of that and puts it in an assessment and application mode where growers make pre-assessments of their fields to determine uh, where uh, risks are and what risks are specific to their farm. And then they can convert that back out into practices that minimize the influence of those risks, remove those risks, or lessen those risks in other ways. Okay. So, so that's kind of where we're at with that. Okay, great. So we know that the government now is going to start with, with FISMA, the Food Safety Modernization Act. So tell us the difference between how you can relate that to GAP. Or is that the same as GAP or? Ah, Food Safety Modernization Act. Uh, most uh, fruit and vegetable growers have now at least heard of it. Um, it's in all the trade journals now. It's on all the major ag posts now. And it's been out there for a few years. It's an FDA program that was instituted during uh, during the two um, the the 2016, it began, but it's been in process. They've been developing it since about 2010, as I understand it. Um, and in within the Food Safety Modernization Act, there's a portion called the Produce Safety Rule. Okay. And all of the F Food Safety Modernization Act and the Produce Safety Rule are designed, again, like GAP, to prevent foodborne illness from entering the system or from being a major problem in the system, to reduce it and mitigate it. We're never going to eliminate it. It's just that's never going to happen. And that's a really, actually, a really important point for the growers to understand. You cannot eliminate these risks. Humans, animals, natural systems of farming, all this, all these things that I'm talking about today, that we're talking about today, is about risk reduction. It's never about risk elimination. So you, we're not looking for perfect we're looking for good and great, but we're not ever going to achieve perfection in this. And no consumer, no farmer should expect that of themselves. Um, on the FISMA, getting back to FISMA, which is the Food Safety Modernization Act, that's how people pronounce it. They just take the FSMA and say FISMA. 
Um, so that took world food standards, world food production standards, and codified them, as it were, into this produce safety rule and other parts of the Food Safety Modernization Act to say that growers had to have systems for growers to wash their hands, to say that growers had to have systems to know where their food was, how their food was produced, and they could trace it back to their seed and inputs, and they could trace it forward to at least one step in the chain. All those things actually exist in GAP, but there's a few more steps in FSMA and the produce safety rule that the original USDA GAP didn't cover. So USDA saw that a few years ago and has come up with a system called Harmonized GAP. And Harmonized GAP marries the original GAP standards with the produce safety rules so that the new Harmonized standard is in harmony with the produce, with the, with the produce safety rule. Understand that GAP is not a law. GAP is suggested practices. GAP is not a regulatory thing. There's a certification process we're going to talk about here in a little while with it, but it's not, um, GAP is not a codified law. Growers do not have to follow GAP to grow produce. Growers do have to follow the produce safety rule to grow produce that is covered by the rule and sell it into commerce. As of this coming January, that number is going to be all large growers. The next year, it drops down to medium-sized growers over two hundred fifty grand, thousand dollars in sales of covered produce. And then after that, in two thousand twenty-one, now and this has been pushed back a year, and there's parts of it that are still not in place. Um, but after that, every grower selling more than twenty-five thousand dollars of covered produce will have to comply with FISMA. One great way to comply with FISMA is to follow the harmonized GAP standards. Okay. The harmonized GAP standards will allow growers to do that. So let's just say that I'm a I'm an organic grower and I'm organically certified, or let's just say I'm a naturally grown grower and I'm certified also. Can that be substituted for GAP? Well, those are different certifications. The the har the uh, the organic certification, which is uh, in this country, is USDA certifi certification, and that again is a regulated, codified uh, set of laws and regulations that govern how an organic grower, how they have to source their inputs, how they have to manage their farm, how they have to manage the soil. Certified naturally grown is a peer-to-peer -peer certification that mirrors um, the USDA organic certification. Uh, but it's not a government-run program. It's a peer-to-peer -peer program. That is, in that system, if I'm a grower and I get certified naturally grown and, and you and a, you and you, three or four other growers come to my farm, they evaluate my farm, and uh, and they either say that I'm following the practices and they give me a certified naturally grown certificate or they don't. And then once I'm certified naturally grown, I agree to be part of that peer certification group, and I might travel to other farms and help them. But those certifications are production certifications; they're not food safety certifications. Okay. So they don't they don't substitute for GAP certification. For the produce safety rule, you don't have to be GAP certified to be to follow the the produce safety rule either. You don't okay. either harmonized or regular. Okay. You don't. Um, it just 
a lot of markets require, especially the wholesale markets, require some kind of certification to document that a third party has evaluated you to sh and, and is certifying that you are following the practices uh, either that are codified in the produce safety rule or recommended by the GAP standards. Okay, so I noticed in the, in the past you've held a lot of meetings for GAP and FISMA training. So just say some of the farmers that have attended your meetings um, and been through the workshops that you've had, does that consider being certified or to some extent? That's a great question, Rock. That's, that's actually a really, really excellent question because a lot of growers will go to the either the FISMA, what, what's known as the FISMA trainings or the Produce Safety Rule trainings, or they'll go to a GAP training to learn about the GAP program, and they'll leave with a certificate of attendance or a certificate of participation or certificate of completion and think that they're GAP certified when they're done. They're not. GAP certification includes putting in, in order to get GAP certified, you have to go back to your farm, you have to put all the practices in place that relate to the standards. And in the harmonized GAP standard, it says, Gary, remember, there's 197 different standards. Oh, wow. You have to meet 80% of those standards. And of those 80%, there are 95-ish that are mandatory, meaning if you miss one of those 95, you, you cannot be certified. You have to correct that before you can be certified. And sometimes that will require a re-audit. So... So the certification basically says that you have woven food safety into the fabric of how you're doing your farm. You're using new boxes. Your workers are washing their hands properly and at the proper intervals. You're recording where your inputs are coming from. You're recording where your produce is going to. You have inventory control on your boxes. You have your water tested or you have documentation from, from your municipality that your water is pure uh, enough to drink. Um, you're following all the other regulations like um, the worker protection standard and things like that because that's also part of GAP. You have to, uh, you can't be out of compliance with other uh, farming regulations that are out there. For instance, if you're an organic grower and you're GAP certified, if you're GAP certified and you're saying that you're organic certified, you can violate neither standard to stay in compliance with the GAP standard. The GAP standard says you must be in compliance with other relevant regulations and and procedures so you'd have to you'd have to follow the setback the, the uh, plant back rules on using fresh manures in the organic system or compost and have your compost certified and all that stuff all that would have to be in place in order to maintain your gap certification i, I noticed you said earlier that uh you miss one out of the 95 ish or something like that will um you'd have to get recertified is that about going back through all the rest of them or just picking up where you you actually missed at is that's a good question in most cases you don't have to do a completely new audit your audit would uh, might even continue if they saw something there that um, that was what we call a corrective action needed that's where it's not an immediate food safety risk if the auditor comes out and sees uh, something that's not an immediate food safety risk like if they see an empty box that's got a wrench in it but the box is the same kind of box that you used to put produce in, but there's no distinguishing marking on that box that it's out of circulation for produce. That would prob that that kind of thing would either, if if it was on a packing line that was active, they would call that immediate action required probably because it's immediate food safety risk. You've got 
non-produce in a produce box and it could end up contaminating produce. But if it was in a, you know, in the back of a pickup truck or something like that, they might say, oh, well, that's a corrective action. We need to uh, go retrain the workers on, on marking the boxes and uh, and not store tools in produce boxes anymore and not throw, you know, something like that. So it gets a little sticky. It gets a little, frankly, it does get complicated at times. But the neat thing about all of this and the thing that can remove some of the fright and fear for the growers is if you put this stuff in practice, you will end up being a better farmer than you were before. It's similar to how organic farmers tend to be very good farmers because they have to follow certain practices in order to achieve the results they want to achieve. If you go in and get GAP certified and you you do all that stuff, it means that you've improved your business practices because you have better inventory control. It means you've improved your worker training program, which means you've improved the worker productivity because they uh, they have a more regimented day. Uh, it means that you are sourcing from known suppliers, which means you know all the good suppliers and you have a record of all of that. So, so there's some some real positive side benefits to this. Okay. So does that gap certification differ from larger producers or smaller producers, or is it all the same certification? Well, the certifications are the same, and I think we're moving toward the harmonized standard and away from the gap standard. A lot of growers are still getting gaps certified, but the the standard gap certification does not cover everything again in the pro, in the produce safety rule. But because every grower growing more than $25,000 worth of covered produce, and the covered produce is basically going to be any produce that we eat the outside of, or that doesn't have what's called a kill step. So like pecans are not covered by it because no one eats the outside of a pecan. Right. We crack it open um, and we eat the inside. So the chance of there being a foodborne illness on the inside of that kernel of pecan is very small. So they've excluded that. But lettuce and tomato, they're covered. We eat the outside of them. We don't usually cook them. Or we don't, oftentimes they're not cooked. Tomatoes are kind of half and a half or whatever it is. Um, so it just depends. But every grower is going to do it. The certification process is the same for all growers, but there are many, there are many parts of the standard that say, as, uh, do the following, blah, 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 uh, as appropriate for the operation. So a large forty million dollar vegetable farm, when you're one of the you know the top two hundred vegetable farms or whatever it is, they'll be held to a different standard than than a smaller farmer would. Okay, well, what about a watermelon or cantaloupe? You don't eat the outside of it. Well, it's not commonly known to eat the outside of it, even though you probably could. How would that? Um... That's interesting. The challenge with watermelon and cantaloupe is that to get at the stuff that we eat inside. We cut it with a knife and we don't cook it. So they are covered produce. And as you recall, uh, we've had some significant foodborne illness problems with melons. Uh, and that stems from the fact that when you cut it, if you introduce any foodborne pathogens into that melon as it's cut or before it's cut, then um, you're basically, they're able to grow in that sugar solution that we all love to eat and taste but it actually happens to grow bacteria and fungi really well. So so they are covered produce. Okay. I noticed that you said something earlier. You said uh, fresh produce. What what do we mean by when we say fresh produce? And uh, what's the difference between fresh produce and processed 
uh, fruits and vegetables? Well, that's a good question. There are in these standards uh, a whole set of uh, standards in the in the in the gap and harmonized gap program for post harvest activities. And anytime you take, say, an apple, and you cut it up to make fresh cut apple slices, and you put them in little plastic cups with a with a vacuum seal lid on top. That's a type of processing, even though the consumer is going to eat that apple fresh. As soon as you cut it at the manufacturing or the farming level, it becomes a processed product. It doesn't have to be cooked. It doesn't have to be dried, mashed. All you have to do is add value to it in some form or fashion by, by changing all right, very good. I mean, so, so we have Mr. Calvin Head here, and uh, got a couple questions for you. Just uh, and 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 uh, Dr. Evans answered a lot of things that has to be uh, that deals with GAP. So tell us, why did you choose to pursue pursue the GAP certification for your cooperative? Um, our cooperative um, were part of um, a network of growers who were growing for wholesale markets and. To be honest with you, we saw the handwriting on the wall. Um, almost every session or workshop we went to, there was conversation about um, GAP certification or some type of certification uh, for various reasons. Um, so we, at that time, got ahead of the game. Even though our buyer at that time didn't require it, we just felt it would be a good idea to try to move forward in terms of being GAP certified so that we can won't be blindsided or it won't come upon us all of a sudden. Okay. So if you had to if you had to paint a picture for us, and we know a lot of farmers are interested in getting GAP certified, what are some of the challenges or pleasant surprises that you've encountered when you were getting certified or after you've gotten certified within that process? Yeah, kind of paint a picture for us for that. Again, um, traditional farmers uh, um, to transition uh, or to implement those practices and make them become routine and making them understand the the uh, food safety policy or the food safety manual uh, and, you know, just trying to break um, the old way of thinking. And, and, and additionally, um, a huge challenge was making uh, what's the documentation part for farmers. Um, it's, it, was, it was a challenge to get them to document and to keep up with um, certain practices that were, you know, mandated uh, in terms of the GAP standards and what have you. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure um, uh, telling someone to write down everything while they're trying to get the crop in or get the crop out has some uh, challenges to, uh, that you had to face. So uh, I'm sure the documentation and the paperwork, which you considered a lot, uh, Dr. Evans, uh, would play a major role in that. So, so um uh, Mr. Hay, what advice would you give to other farmers about getting certified? Well, it's an insurance policy, to be honest about it. Uh, a lot of the things are just common sense practices. And as Dr. Evans mentioned, those outbursts and those uh, foodborne illnesses uh, are a reality. And God forbid, if they ever happen, you know, at least you know, a farmer can say, well, I followed certain practices and this, ha- this happened beyond my control. And you can show the documentation and you can show... Uh, the corrective action plans that you implemented, and, and it may or may not be the um, the the uh, it may 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 be like an insurance policy that protect farmers from any litigation or liability or anything like that. Okay. 
Well, that is some good information to, know, to come from the both of you all, and uh, I want to thank you all for taking time out to out of your busy days today so we can talk about GAP certification and kind of enlighten some of the listeners about how they can get involved, uh, some of the, uh, the tasks and the challenges that will be once you get involved and get certified. So I'd like to thank you all for coming out. Uh, my name is Rocky Woods with the National Center for Appropriate Technology. Thanks for listening to ATRA, Voices from the Field. Depending on the platform you're listening to us on, be sure to rate us and leave a review or comment. For more information on this topic, you can contact Rock Woods at rockw at ncat.org. That's R-O-C-K-W at N-C-A-T dot org. There will be links to Upin Farms, LLC, and Milston Cooperative in the notes to this podcast. ATRA has many resources related to this topic, and we'll leave links to those as well, including our produce safety tutorial and two video series, Farm-Based Food Safety and Farm-Based Approach to Food Safety, the Internal Gap Audit. Please call ATRA with any and all of your sustainable agriculture questions at 1-800-346-9140 or email us at askanag at incat.org. That's A-S-K. A-N-A-G at N-C-A-T dot org. Our two dozen specialists can help you with a vast array of topics, everything from farm planning to pest management, from produce to livestock and soils to aquaculture. You can get in touch with them and find our other extensive and free sustainable agriculture publications, webinars, videos, and other resources at our website, www.atra.ncat.org. That's www.attra.ncat.org. We'll catch you next week, and until then, keep on farming.